do you have any tips for business owners on balancing uh, like the, the, the work and family during this holiday season? You know, not everybody finds time with family to be super restorative or relaxing. And so if that's your story, honor that. Know that you might need to do the obligatory holiday meal, but that is not your rest. That's not your retreat. That's not your sense of restoration. That probably needs to get scheduled in January um, on a beach in Mexico where there are no weird aunts and uncles. So if you don't, you know, love your time with your family members, um, do what you think is sort of ethical and helpful and important, but don't mistake that for your restoration time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business Savvy, our educational podcast for field service and home service business owners. I am your host, Nick Worker. So we're obviously nearing the end of 2021. Uh, we know that for many of our listeners who own or, or really help run a business, it hasn't been the easiest of years. And if the stress of this year or the long hours you've put in over the past 12 months are starting to catch up with you, you will definitely want to stick around for the duration of this episode because Today on the show, we are lucky enough to be joined by Dr. Sherry Walling. Uh, Sherry is a clinical psychologist, speaker, podcaster, and best-selling author, which is all to say that she's much more qualified than I am. Um, she's also an expert on the topic of occupational burnout, and we have a lot of questions for her today on that subject. Sherry, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Nick. Well, we're excited, so I'm going to jump right in. Um, can you give our listeners a little background on more about you and, and what it is that you do? Yeah. So I am a clinical psychologist, which um, as opposed to other kinds of psychology is focused on helping to identify problems and either prevent them or treat them once they've already occurred. So I come to my work with uh, most of my professional life has been focused on people with high intensity jobs. So uh, people in the military, people who work in hospitals, first responders, police officers, people who are really facing um, acute stress or really sort of scary, sometimes traumatic things in the context of their work. So I was doing that as a job. And then I have a husband who is a tech entrepreneur. So in my living room every night are these entrepreneurs, people who are starting their own businesses, running their own gigs. And I heard a lot of the same kinds of challenges, or at least the same reactions to stress in the entrepreneur community that I heard in my clinical patients. And so, um, you know, through a variety of, of things and reasons, things unfolded as they do, uh, for me to really focus more on entrepreneur mental health and to identify the sources of stress and challenge that entrepreneurs face and to try to both get ahead of it with prevention and then in some cases help people who are really struggling to put things back together. So I do that. I work one-on-one -on -one with folks. I work one-on-one -on -one with, or I work with leadership teams within startups and companies. And then I write books and have podcasts and things like that to help get information available. Like I said, much more qualified than me. Um, also uniquely qualified to, uh, to talk one-on-one -on -one with entrepreneurs being how you, you live with one. Um, and now I am one, like I drank well, the Kool-Aid, exactly. right? Yeah. Like yeah. I live with one, now I am one, I'm probably raising them, I don't know, they're everywhere. Not a bad thing. Listen, the world, the world could do more with, uh, with entrepreneurship in my, in my purview. So Absolutely. 
One of the topics that you're asked to speak on a lot about and, and what you just really covered is burnout prevention. So what would you say are some of the biggest mis the misconceptions out there regarding occupational burnout? You know, I think one is that it's normal. Like we've sort of mistaken common for normal or common for okay. Because burnout happens a lot. A lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, do experience burnout, but that's not the same as saying, eh, that's just part of running a business. Because what we're really talking about when we're talking about burnout is significant changes to the neurological functioning of your brain, that once we come to understand them, none of us are going to be okay with as like just the cost of doing business. So that's kind of the first thing. The second thing that I would point out is this sort of idea that we um, can prevent burnout with like a glass of wine and Netflix. Um, although relaxing at the end of the day is helpful, um, it's usually not the level of prevention or the intention that we want to think about when we're thinking about our well-being and neurological health. Um, so getting a little bit more creative with our burnout prevention strategies is probably important. So, so the prescription is not Netflix and chill. I mean, that's not a bad Friday night, well, but yeah. it's probably not going to turn the table on burnout if you are experiencing burnout or at high risk for burnout. I'm just being silly. Um, so I, and I, I think that a lot of people who become entrepreneurs have that mindset of like, I have to outwork the competition. I have to be working constantly. And uh, one of the big things that, you know, my friends and, and even myself have, have even talked about is uh, like, I work a hundred hours a week, so I don't have to work 40, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. that mindset of like, you know, I can do, I can make it all happen if I just work harder. And uh, it seems like that might not always be the case, but we do have a lot of small business owners who listen to this podcast. And I'm sure that many of them have been guilty at times of prioritizing their company's health over their own. So do you have any tips for, you know, small business owners when it comes to trying to balance growing a company and maintaining like a high level of, of personal wellness? Yeah, I think one of the mistakes or one of the things that I see small business owners do is that they are working kind of factory hours, like nine to five, and then some, then they're coming back for the second shift, you know, after the kids go to bed or they're getting up really early while they have some sort of freshness in the morning. So I, I think if you're going to be an entrepreneur, like let's do away with the factory hours, like if you need to work in the evenings or if those early morning hours are really helpful to you, it's when your mind is sharp and the house is quiet, let yourself take a long lunch break. Let yourself go to a yoga class at 3 p.m. Let yourself experience the advantages of the flexibility of your schedule. Maybe you still put in an eight or 10 hour day, but you're having a break in the middle or you're not holding yourself to these like arbitrary hours that we feel like we should work. And then entrepreneurs just work extra, just work the second shift. So, okay, you got to do the second shift. I get it. But then don't worry about the factory. Do the hours that make most sense to you. That's really funny. It's like, why don't you enjoy the opportunities that your lifestyle presents you rather than trying to do both? Like, 
and and I have a family member who has fallen victim to this, right? Is he's turned his his business that he owns into like a nine to five job. And then he comes home and does paperwork, which is what he still calls it because he's older, um, which I find funny. But it really is just like inventory and ordering and accounting. And uh, recently he's gotten better. He's taken a couple of days off. But for years, I'm close with this guy. Uh, he just never went on vacation or, or did anything. And, and I can easily see that he's experiencing some of these things that we're talking about. So yeah. when, a, when a business owner does recognize that they're having an issue with burnout, what are some of the first things that they can do to start addressing the issue? Yeah, and that's a great question. I think it might be helpful even to, to define what we mean when we are talking about burnout. Because I think it's a term that gets tossed around a lot. And I think we've kind of equated it with tired or exhausted. And um, it is, but it also is, it's a formal diagnosis. It's part of the ICD-10. We've got a clinical code we can use. Like it's a formal diagnosis. And so as such, it has predefined criteria. So when we're talking about true burnout, we're talking about a sense of physical and emotional exhaustion, right? That's kind of the first thing we think of, but it's that sense of waking up tired, it's the sense that you can't get enough rest or a reset, no matter how hard you try. It also often shows up in the body with physical exhaustion. So it's that person who gets a cold and it lingers for like weeks and weeks and weeks. It's like your immune system isn't functioning. Um, that general sign of just wear and tear on the mind and the body. So the second criteria that go into a, a burnout, um, diagnosis is a sense of cynicism and withdrawal. So the things that you maybe used to care about or used to excite you about your business, you no longer care about that. You're maybe sarcastic towards your clients. You kind of make fun of them behind your back. You're snappy to your staff members or your team members. You just don't have that kind of human warmth or motivation that maybe you once had towards your business. So instead you're kind of it's a little bit of the like crusty old man vibe, right? Like you don't like anything. You don't care about anything. You don't want to deal with anyone. And then the third component is a diminished sense of personal efficacy. So this is where this filter sort of takes place in your brain such that everything that you see about yourself and your business is interpreted negatively. So you might be doing really well, like objectively sales are up, you're getting more customers, things are going well, but you don't, you don't register any of that. All that you register is what's not done, what's not finished. So it feels like you're tired from pushing this boulder up a hill and it's a boulder you don't care about anyway, and you're not moving it forward. And so it becomes this feedback loop where you feel really negatively about your business and about your work, and it's hard to get out of. So that's what burnout looks like. I think one of my nightmares is, is getting called a crusty old man, actually. Um, but it's, I love that you defined it and I appreciate it obviously, because I think you're right. A lot of people can just say, Oh, I'm burnt out. You know, I'm really tired. Um, and sort of blow it off in that way. Like, Oh, you know, I'll just take a day off, but it's, it's a little bit more than that. Um, so now that we kind of know more about how to identify it and, and what burnout really looks like, how dangerous is it for business owners 
to to try to work through their try to work through like being burnt out it's actually pretty dangerous um and don't worry i have some like helpful tips and strategies but this is like the dark part of this conversation because what begins to happen is we actually see neurological changes in the brain we can look at a functional mri an image of the brain and see changes to the structure and chemistry of the brain when burnout is allowed to sort of exist for weeks, months, years on end. Specifically, we see an overactivation of the amygdala, which is the like fear center of the brain, but it also houses negative emotion. So that's probably where that cynicism and crustiness kind of comes from. The amygdala is overfiring. And then we also see diminished connectivity between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. So we probably, you probably know, your listeners probably know the prefrontal cortex is this like executive functioning part of our brain, right? That's how we do our planning. It's how we do our self-talk. It's the like really juicy CEO part of our brain. And when those connections begin to diminish, the executive part of our brain is less able to calm down the amygdala. So it gets more negative and there's less capacity to talk yourself through it. So when that happens for a long time, we begin to see the same kinds of physiological deterioration or markers of chronic stress that you've probably heard of. We see increased risk for heart disease. We see increased risk for some kind of cancer. We see decreased immune function. So you just sort of are sick all the time. So basically the the brain suffers and the body follows when people just power through burnout for too long. Uh, and what you're talking that whole time, I'm just picturing Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm thinking like, and I know that's kind of funny, like Duck McScrooge, right? But uh, it's just like, it's, it's, it's interesting to know that it actually affects the brain scientifically like that. Um, but I, I think one of the things that people can get confused about is you know, that sounds a little bit like depression, you know? So I think maybe they carry a lot of similar symptoms and it can be easy for people to confuse the two. So mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the difference between experiencing burnout and, and depression? It's an imperfect distinction, but the easiest distinction is that burnout is pretty based in someone's work, right? You're like, it's, you just feel that zap of energy from your work. Um, again, it's not a, it's not a perfect defining line, but, um, I think that's kind of the easiest way to think about it. Burnout is caused by something in your life. Depression can also be caused by something in your life, which is why it gets confusing, but often is endogenous can be caused by biochemical changes in the body. So it's, we look at sort of the cause and we look at how, much strain someone is experiencing in their occupation. Interesting. So it, depression can have like sort of an outside catalyst, but oftentimes doesn't. And burnout is just basically directly because of, you know, being overworked. Okay. So I'm, yeah. I'm getting it. I, I like to repeat <laughs> things out loud because uh, if I don't, I'll never understand it. We're communicating. We're checking our understanding. I love it. I have to. If I don't, I'll never, like, I, I just don't know what it is. I was never the person who could like uh, study for a test and write things down. I had to say it out loud. If I can say it out loud and explain it, then I definitely understand it. So I'm trying here. Um, but let's say, let's say I, I recognize that I have 
an issue with burnout. Um, I'm experiencing the symptoms that you're talking about. And I definitely can identify the catalyst being my job, my work. Um, what are some of the things that people can do to start addressing the issue? Yeah. So there are like a variety of things we could talk about here. Um, I think it is helpful to know a little bit about what drives burnout specifically so that we can think about how to reverse engineer that. So from the research perspective, um, and this research has really been developed by Dr. Christina Maslach, who is the professor emeritus of psychiatry at UC Berkeley. Um, she's been working on this topic for 40 years, and now there are lots of people who follow in her footsteps, but she's the sort of main name associated with this. Anyway, uh, burnout is driven by too much to do. Surprise, surprise. Um, not enough social support. So feeling really lonely and disconnected at work. Having a gap between what you think is important and how you spend your time. So basically spending a lot of time doing things that you don't care about will drive burnout. Probably sounds familiar. Um, having no feedback loops. So never having that like pat on the back, you did a good job or never having a sense that you worked really hard on a project and now it's finished. So that sense of completion, hmm. right? That's pretty important. And that's pretty related to um, celebrating successes. So our brains really like crave, they crave the finish line. We can work really hard on something if we're clear about when it's done and we have like a little party for ourselves at the end. So that sense of like, we're just going on like this forever is not good for our sense of completion and therefore kind of contributes to burnout. So given those things, we can sort of flip it and know that if you are beginning to feel some burnout symptoms, or if you're just, Hey, I don't want to get there in the first place. One of the best things that we can do is really um, create a network around us that can be other entrepreneurs, probably podcast listeners can connect to each other. You know, the sense of community and connection with other entrepreneurs, people within our business, people within our families, people at the bar that we see at quiz night, just a sense of not being alone can help prevent and help people recover from burnout. Staying, yeah, go ahead. Go no, ahead I just in. find it so interesting because I think. Um, and this is my mindset is like, uh, if I achieve something, um, I try to, I, I don't, I'm not one to take like a huge victory lap. I like to, uh, like if I get a promotion, I, I'll go home and my wife will say, Oh, we have to go celebrate. I'm like, no, I don't, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. But I do. Uh, so I have one direct colleague. And so I'm, I'm giving myself a, a pat on the back here after I said that I don't like a victory lap, but, uh, after we finish a project, when it's successful, ultimately, I, I get up out of my chair and I go high five. I love high fiving people. Mm -hmm. It's a weird character trait of mine. Um, can it be as simple as that as like a, like a ritualistic high five as a sure. celebration? Yeah. I think you want to evaluate if that's working or not right? Like if you're, if you're doing your high fives and you're still feeling low energy and okay. like you might be at risk for burnout, then you might want to get more creative. Okay. But um, again, from that neurological perspective, when we, when we set a goal and we complete it and we celebrate it, that's the complete feedback loop. And our brains are like super happy and they have this like little dopamine party in our cells. So having those clearly defined goals, which is hard when your goal is like grow a business, 
help a business survive, get through pandemic, get the kids to college. When you have these giant goals that are like those, it's not really a goal. It's not really defined. It can go on forever. Um, that's where I think, especially small business owners really run into trouble is there's not these really concrete things that you can celebrate when they're accomplished and give yourself that sense of completion, right? There's no boss that's reviewing you each quarter. There's no board that you go up and sort of make the case for getting a raise or getting a promotion. Those things don't happen when you run your own business, you know? There's nobody's patting you on the back or giving you a review. You kind of have to do it yourself through this way of having clear goals and celebrating successes. We will be right back with the show after this short message. My name is Joe Fish. I'm the owner of Victorian Fence located in Long Island, New York. I've been a ring savvy customer for five years. They're very professional. They know exactly what to say. And when customers call, they have no idea that it's a separate answering service. With a product like Fence, if they don't get a live person, they're just gonna call the next Fence company. With Ring Savvy, I never miss a potential new customer. Ring Savvy is an extension of our business. I like to answer my phone, but during those real busy times of year, I can let it ring on my cell phone one time. And if I'm not able to get it, it will be forwarded to Ring Savvy where a professional sounding person will answer and take my phone call. Ring Savvy really helped me to be present whether I'm at work or at home. My kids are young, so when I'm home, I don't want to be on the telephone and trying to resolve their issues. Ring Savvy's definitely given me a better quality of life. Um, I do want to talk about this, and I was excited um, because I'm a big fan of this person. So over the summer on your Zen Founder podcast, you had an episode detailing what entrepreneurs can learn from the Simone Biles situation that took place during the past Olympics. So yeah. I'm going to let you go over what happened. Um, and we, of course, encourage all of our listeners to go check out that episode, which will be in the description and linked everywhere, all over wherever you're listening to this. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about why you felt there were important lessons to be learned from that situation? Um, so just for folks who don't know, Simone Biles is arguably one of the greatest gymnasts ever. And um, she decided not to compete in all of the components of the Olympics. So she basically said, I don't, I'm having a mental health issue. I don't feel safe. I'm not at peak mental health performance level. And so I'm going to, I'm going to opt out. And of course, all the pundits in the world had things to say about it. And I had a great round of applause because I think that um, we, especially as entrepreneurs who I equate with driven high performance oriented people, we think that the wisdom or the success, the win is in pushing through. And I think that often the win is in recognizing this is not the right day for this. And I know myself and my abilities, and I am proud enough of my accomplishments to be able to step out of my own ego and say, this is not the right day for this. I'll come back another day. Um, I think that there's a wisdom and a gentleness to her decision that a lot of us could really learn from. I, I so uh, this recently happened, I think as probably less than a week ago, there was a, I'm a big football guy, but in the news, there was mm -hmm. a wide receiver 
um, for the Atlanta Falcons. His name is Calvin Ridley, who basically did something very similar. He said, I'm going to take X amount of time off. Don't know how long it's going to be to get my mental health in order. You know, I'm not, I'm not really mentally ready to, to step out on the field and, and give my, my all, my, my 100%. And, uh, and yes, all the pundits come out and say, oh, you know, he's getting paid all this money. You should just get out there. He's this, he's that. But I, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, know thyself, right? You, you have to know your limit. And, and ultimately, if, if mentally you're not right, you're not going to bring your physical A game anyway. So I thought that was great. I'm a big fan of Simone Biles. I think she's the greatest of all time, even at such she a young is. age. But we can get into a, an argument about that at another time. Um, <laughs> I'm so not going to also- fight you about that, Nick. I'm not going to fight you. Oh, okay, good. I was going to, I was going <laughs> to say, listen, that's fighting words right there. Um, I'm not the biggest Olympics guy, but my father-in-law was uh, a gymnastics coach for like oh, wow. 40 some odd years and, you know, goes to national competitions. Uh, a bunch of my friends were gymnasts. So I'm not highly educated in that world, but I do like it because I have a shared interest. Uh, yeah. So you also wrote a book called, and I'm going to curse for the first time on this show. It's going to be so exciting. <laughs> the Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together. Um, so that book came out before the pandemic. It did. <laughs> so if you did. had to write an additional chapter. <laughs> we probably need to update it. <laughs> yeah, well, here we go. We're going to update it. If you had to write an additional chapter for that book featuring some of the lessons that you've learned over the past year and a half, what would you discuss? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, if you could go back in time and tell this to me at the start of it, that would be really helpful to past me. Yeah, I think that most of the things I would keep saying are in there, but I would probably double down and really highlight a few practices that I think um, all of us could have used retrospectively. Um, number one would be watch out for alcohol, which sounds probably more preachy than I mean it, but I think at least in my world, the quarantine became pretty normalized. And when you couldn't go out or go anywhere, I think a lot of, um, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I know really, you know, probably started drinking to a level that was probably not super helpful for them. And, and not just from an addiction perspective, although I worry about that, but from like a sleep perspective, because alcohol is pretty uh, problematic for deep, continuous sleep. So um, that's one thing I would say. Um, the other is to really double down on the movement practice, like the ability to have an exercise form of exercise that you like. I know all the gyms closed in some places, and that was really hard for people to engage their um their self-care physical practices. But I think we also saw how much we really need movement in our bodies when everyone in the world is like sitting down in front of a laptop at home all the time. And every single child is also on a laptop or an iPad or a Chromebook or whatever at home all the time. And I, our mental health, I think really deteriorated because people weren't moving, we weren't playing. I was fortunate in that I, I'm very, um, how do I say this? Very easily affected by, uh, like the weather Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, now it's getting a little gray and a little dark outside and I can catch myself, you know, slipping into sort of, uh, like, uh, 
not really a full depression, but you know, it, it definitely has affected me mentally oh, sure. and, and, and physically. So it's important for me. I was just talking to a, a good friend of mine and uh, he had advice. He said, go barefoot and go stand in your backyard and like, just walk around, like get mm. muddy and dirty and all that stuff. And uh, I did that and I, I find it helpful. And I also, I have to go move or like, if I'm not yep. like current, like physically exercising my demons, I, I get a little uh, like cuckoo. Um, they take over. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but more so in that, like, I'm just a jerk. And like, it, it, things come out of my mouth. And I'm like, why am I saying that? Um, so I, I felt fortunate during the pandemic that I had a backyard and like, I could go mm -hmm. sit outside with my laptop and like take a few meetings. But a lot of people didn't have that opportunity. So I, I again, what you're saying is, is of the utmost importance. It's important to, to get outside. Um, yeah. The holidays are coming up. This is not a holiday episode, but uh, for a lot of us, it's, it's, it's hard to make time to get together with family, especially when we're such like workaholics, for lack of a better word. Um, do you have any tips for business owners on balancing uh, like the, the, the work and family during this holiday season? I think more generally for business owners, um, let's not like get a too far into an addiction to hustle porn, right? Like let's not keep telling ourselves that working more hours is better. Um, probably not, probably what most of us do in 10 hours we could do in six if we had to. So I think um, part of what I loved about Simone Biles action was to normalize a time away, was to normalize a sabbatical, a vacation, a break. And, you know, not everybody finds time with family to be super restorative or relaxing. And so if that's your story, honor that. Know that you might need to do the obligatory holiday meal, but that is not your rest. Mm -hmm. That's not your retreat. That's not your sense of restoration. That probably needs to get scheduled in January um, on a beach in Mexico where there are no weird aunts and uncles. So if you don't you know, love your time with your family members, um, do what you think is sort of ethical and helpful and important, but don't mistake that for your restoration time. And you do need restoration time. You need that ability to step away. It will, if nothing else, I bet you money that it will have um, a, an observable difference in your business success. Because when you spend that time away, you are kind of resetting all of those um, neuronal connections that get overly trodden when you're doing the same thing and thinking about the same things all the time. So when you take a great vacation, when you take um, some time off, when you take a retreat, when you take a sabbatical, you're kind of resetting your brain so that you can be more creative, better at communicating, more interesting, just generally better at running your business. So a vacation is an investment in your business. If you need to think about it like that, I can like write it for you on a prescription pad. Please. <laughs> I would, I need a vacation. I, I don't, I don't give myself those. Like I just come to work and keep coming to work, but why? Cause I, I suffer from these things that we're talking about. I'm not exempt from this at all. And, and, yeah. uh, 
Like I ended, so I work for a company. I, I help mm-hmm. run this company, but you know, I, I'm still beholden to the rules of, of normal uh, 40 hour work weeks. I left, actually Joe was just making fun of me and, and more so uh, kind of poking me about my unused paid time off. I left like three weeks on the, the board and it just recycled. And he's like, why wouldn't you use it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't need that. Um, but I, it's, it's so easy for people to just say like, oh, I'm doing fine. What do I need a vacation for? But I like what you said. It's an investment in yourself. You're giving your, you're, you're letting your brain sort of reset and you're doing things that are re- restorative for you. Why would you not yeah. want to be restored back to like a better place? so that you can come and bring that back to your business and, and really do better work instead of just continuing to work harder. I mean, the entrepreneurs that I work with, not that I have any power to enforce this, but have like a minimum vacation policy. It's like, you must go away for three weeks. And I, I think more companies um, and small businesses should really adapt that because I do think that you can see observable differences in how people return. Again, assuming that they're vacationing in a good way or resting in a good way, not like working another job or pouring themselves out for maybe other obligations that aren't restorative. Yeah, for me, the uh, the beach in Mexico that you mentioned sound sounds nice. Um, so if our listeners want to hear more from you, where should they go? I have a mostly weekly podcast called Zen Founder, um, which is available in all the podcast places. And um, I have a book, which if you like the sound of my voice, um, I read the audible version. So you can hear like whatever, like 10 hours of my voice, if that appeals to you. Um, And the book is called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together, How to Run Your Business Without Letting It Run You, which my, um, at the time, 11-year-old child came up with the title for, which I was both horrified and very satisfied. So there it is. Um, And that is available on Amazon and Audible and Kindle and those kinds of things. I think kids often know better than us because they're, they, they don't overcomplicate. They're just, it's simple. Don't keep your shit together. That's the title of your book. Don't worry about it, mom. (laughs) Um, So Dr. Sherry Walling, thank you for joining me on the show today. And I want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Everything we mentioned before will be in the links, wherever you're listening to this or watching this. We will be back with more episodes of Business Savvy in 2022 because this is the final one of 2021. So be sure to check out previous episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and the Ring Savvy YouTube channel. See you next time, everyone.